Welcome to a Healing Peace Podcast. We partner with JNTEL, a nonprofit organization that provides educational programs to promote emotional and mental health while building our identity in Christ. In this podcast series, you will learn about me, Kimir Baker, the CEO and founder of JNTEL, and other life changers. We inspire, equip, and support you along your journeys. By the renewal of our minds, we overcome life challenges. We renew and rise up. Welcome home, ladies. Thank you so much for coming back for part two of an incredible interview with my friend, Bishop Knapp. And we've just been talking about navigating through toxic relationships and getting into a safe place. And, and where we left off, we heard how God continually provided opportunities for a bishop to be able to migrate and, and be in a safer environment. But I wanted to know what happens next. And so, of course, I like to talk. So I invited Bishop back on the show. And Bishop, if you could go ahead and reintroduce yourself to our lovely audience. So I'm Bishop Knapp. I'm a wife, a mother, graphic designer, creator, musician, and like honest Christian. All right. And so the last time you talked about crocheting, and now you said musician, maybe you said that the last time too. So do you play an instrument? So I play the ukulele and mandolin kind of poorly, and I play the piano. Wait, is the ukulele the little tiny guitar? Yeah, it's the little four-string guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to play the guitar and the piano, and uh, none of them seemed to work with my brain. The I can't handle the guitar. My fingers just can't function like that. So the little four-string guy worked really, really well. That's honestly a lot of healing happened, learning how to play the ukulele for me. Oh, and that's actually cool that you stated that because we did a show last year in the beginning of the year where we talked about the power of music and how it is very calming and that it can help calm our spirits and provide a lot of mental relief. It can. Yeah. So you, you just confirmed that again. So that yeah. So pick up the ukulele. It's, <laughs> it's an easy one. It's only got four strings. All the chords are relatively simple. It's, it's a good little one. Yeah. That's and pretty cheap. Yeah. I'm, I'm always enjoy budget type things. Yeah. yeah. Ukulele is definitely a budget, <laughs> budget <laughs> instrument. That's pretty cool. So as I stated before in our wonderful introduction, if you can go ahead and tell us a little bit more about the afterlife after giving, having freedom and coming to birth, I, I know you talked about numerously the amount of lies that were being told to you. So how did you, as you move forward, learn how to distinguish between what was fact and what was lies? Because I'm pretty sure those type of circumstances will continue to come to you, right? And not necessarily from an abusive side. So how did you mentally and emotionally work through those obstacles or that type of understanding? So for me, running was a really good avenue because it gave me a way to release myself and to just follow the pattern of my feet while I ran. Um, and it let me disconnect from my body in a different kind of way. And that act of meditation and running is very much an act of meditation for me. You get to a point where you're no longer like runners will tell you this and people who don't run are like, oh, you're crazy. 
you get to a point where your adrenaline just gets so high that you don't really feel your body anymore. And you're just kind of existing. And in that time of just kind of existing, there isn't self-doubt. There isn't all of the guilt. There isn't all of those other things. You're just running. And I run outside. I'm not a treadmill runner. I'm a trail runner. So just being outside in nature with God and just being in the moment did so much for me. And it made me see a lot of those things weren't true. Playing the ukulele and learning a new skill helped a lot because I would reach challenges and you can't just tell yourself that you're stupid and give up. You just keep on trying. So there was a lot in that. I had a really good therapist I talked to and he kind of helped me see the difference between thought distortion and reality. And I think that's one of the most powerful words that we don't use often. And the difference between a thought distortion and reality is if you're trying something and you don't do it right, a thought distortion is I'm never going to be able to do this. I quit. I'm worthless. I'm useless. The reality is if I continue to practice, I can figure this out. So learning to navigate between those two things was really major and getting mirrors up in my house to be able to see myself was really helpful because I was told that I was ugly. I was told that I was fat. I was told that like so many things surrounding my appearance that really weren't true. So just being able to see physically in front of myself that none of that was true was very helpful and something that I don't do anymore, (laughs) but I would take selfies of myself. I would take pictures of myself so I could see the progress of letting that go in my face. And I could see myself from an outside point of view instead of through the lens that I was told. Right. And and all those things, I'm, I'm grateful again for you sharing because a lot of what you shared, we talked about in our podcast over the past couple of series. Because when you were discussing the running and the ukulele, all those elements that you were doing was helping to retrain your brain from the emotional trauma. Right. Yeah. And I always tell people all the time, like these items, they're free. Like you don't have to pay for it. Like it's something that you can do and it's uh, readily accessible. And, but so many times we don't allow ourselves to, take that journey to help our, not only our bodies, but our brains to regroup from the emotional trauma that we experienced. And so again, I'm thankful for you bringing that or highlighting because that was part of your healing journey. And in that that aspect of things, you were able to connect with God and again, retrain your brain. And the hardest part of running is getting to where you're running. I mean, it's it's getting ready for it. It's getting to the place where you start. It's not the actual journey. And the hardest part of learning something new is sitting down to learn it and giving yourself the time and space to it. And when you get to a point where you allow yourself to do those things freely, it makes it easier to allow yourself to heal because you're training yourself to prepare to get to somewhere. Mm. Oh, that's profound. Training yourself to prepare yourself to get somewhere else that you don't have to stay in the current circumstance, your current emotional neuroticcy, so to speak, because, you know, those emotions can hijack us. 
but you're making deliberate efforts to get to a healthier healing place in your life. But what's key is that you do have to make that effort. And you have to prepare for that effort too. I mean, you've got to get the right shoes. You've got to get an instrument. You've got to make those preparations to make the journey easier for yourself because you can set off for a hike. And if you don't have the proper water, if you don't have a snack, you're going to get really cranky halfway through and you're going to quit and you're going to turn around. And God also calls us to prepare for a lot of things. There's a lot of scripture about preparing. And I think it's something that we kind of forget to do sometimes. We just expect ourselves to be able to do these things without any preparation. And it's setting yourself up for failure a lot of times. Yeah. And as you're sharing that, like I I get in trouble with that a lot because I'm one of those praying types. And so I'm like, well, I prayed for it. So I should be able to be able to get X, Y, and Z. And, And that was the case with even with me doing speaking engagements. I was just like, I pray for it. I'm going to be a great speaker because the Lord is with me. And then a friend of mine was like, girl, that's not how that works. (laughs) (laughs) You're not great. I'm just letting you know. And so I ended up joining Toastmasters so I can learn how to be more coherent when I'm speaking and, and have a better train of thought or more engagement with my train of thought. So I'm just not all over the place and and making people fall asleep. Yeah. Being prepared, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that but as you said, I was like, that's so true. I, I've had many of those moments. Cause and even I, I wrote my first book. I was like, I'm gonna write a book. And then I start giving it to people. And they're like, what is this? <laughs> and I was so hurt. You know, I was like, I spent so much time me and the Lord and the Spirit. We was <laughs> the three of us did such a good job on that book. <laughs> But it also, I feel like when you, when you don't prepare for something, a lot of times it can make you feel defeated mm, mm-hmm. and it can make you not feel encouraged to do it again. Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah. it's very easy to not do anything anymore. When you don't have the proper preparedness for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a, a very important key to healing and to giving yourself that time and that space is being prepared for it. Are you ready for an interactive way to inspire, empower, and equip your community? As society returns to normal, we face the challenge of connecting and purposeful living. Our 501c3 nonprofit organization, JNTEL, understands this challenge. We have developed workshops that promote self-care and well-being. Invite JNTEL to your women's events, such as retreats, luncheons, small group gatherings, and internal programs. Together, we will create an atmosphere for self-expression, self-discovery, confidence building, and spiritual connection. Go to jintel.org slash booking to book us today. And so I, I just want to highlight some of the things that you shared already in terms of that healing process for you. You talked about the exercising. You talked about uh, doing different things where you're learning something new. You talked about going to a therapist, seeking more support. Now, when you were finding your therapist, was that was that one of the first things that you thought about or did you wait to say, okay, I, I need more emotional support, more mental help in this area? My parents are phenomenal. They told me I needed to do it. And they knew a fantastic Christian man who's a therapist. 
and they said, you don't have a choice. This is what you're doing. So they, they took those reins <laughs> and that helped so much because it was a Christian therapist and it was someone who was able to talk to me about the ways that God was still in my life, about the ways that God was continued to be in my life and made me feel like I wasn't a failure for what had happened because it wasn't my fault, <laughs> you know? Right. And, and I'm actually quite impressed that your therapist ended up being a, a man. And at, when you said that, I was like, wow, a, again, a continuation of God's intervention that he was replacing or providing new experiences to heal the old ones and to connect you with someone who does have godly values, who does enjoy God and can guide you in a healthy spiritual way. Yeah. I mean, it's, he was invaluable, honestly. I mean, he really was. And we got to a point where he just told me, he was like, I'm, I can't do this anymore. He was like, you're fantastic. He was like, you're, you're at a great point in your life. You're doing all the right things, but he would give me challenges. He would tell me things to look up. He would tell me studies to look at. And he just, he understood the way that my mind worked in a very amazing way. And he was just so helpful. There's just not enough words of gratitude towards him. Sure. And as you continue to go through this journey, were there things in your life that, that you became more aware of how God was functioning with you? Um, can you ask that again in another way? I don't think I know. Yeah. I call them, you know, like God's kisses, right? Like you, you've already talked about how he was intervening and, and providing outlets. But as you were shedding some of that emotional baggage, were there moments where you felt more embraced by him and, and, and more in tune with your identity with him? I mean, it was constant. <laughs> it still remains to be constant. I mean, I feel like my relationship with God is so much stronger than it ever has been. And there's just a, sim a sense of humbleness that I gained from this experience. There's a sense of vulnerability that I gained from this experience. And I feel like before I was a very hubris person and I tried to do a lot on my own, but God did it with me, <laughs> you know, but it, it wasn't. And I think there's a really big difference in doing something on your own and doing something with God. And there were so many times where I couldn't have gotten up had it not been for God. There were so many times where I couldn't have done any of those things that I did without God being present. Like I said, I'm lucky to come from a good family. I'm lucky to have good Christian parents. And they were there along the way, giving me different things to do, different nuggets. And I mean, I've found a fantastic church and I'm involved now. And I met my husband, who's a fantastic man. And I <laughs> could not be any happier with who he is and his spirit. And I mean, just God continues to bless me in ways that I didn't think were possible. Yeah. And and again, I, I will echo him bringing different men into your life to shed more of his character, that he didn't just leave you with that poor experience, but being willing to open yourself up, he blessed you and he put you in situations where you can receive what you were supposed to have from a, a human perspective in, in male relationships. Right. And there's, there were times where I found myself 
mad and frustrated at my husband for tiny things when we started dating. And I would have to kind of take a big, deep breath and look at it and say, well, what's his heart? What's his character? Heart's kind and gentle and his character is phenomenal. So is he intentionally trying to make me mad? No. What's, what's making me feel like this? A past experience. Did he have anything to do with that past experience? No, not at all. So why am I mad at him? So I would take time. I would meditate. I would play my ukulele. I would go for a run. I would do what I needed to do to where I didn't bring that into our relationship. And I think that's a very important step to take when you're healing from trauma, because it can be very easy to say, well, so-and-so did that to me and you're doing this now. That's what a lot of abusers hide behind. They hide behind their past trauma as an excuse to treat the people that the way that they treat them. And if someone's intentions aren't there, if they're not meaning to be that way, then we need to be able to take a deep breath and realize where our own trauma is playing into it. Right. And that is so hard to do. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But I, the reality is knowing the character of the person that you're with and knowing their intentions and just taking a step back. Yeah. And I think you provided a great roadmap to be able to counteract those triggers and get back to that place of fact where you're talking about the difference between distortion and reality. And I think what you described is a very helpful tool to bring a person back to the reality that they're actually experiencing and not the reality from an emotional standpoint. Right. So I, I do, as you share that, I'm like, okay, I need to do that more often for myself because I'm so emotional and my emotions sometimes just don't lead me in the right place. So now you've given me a great tool. I don't quite remember what the situation was, but something had happened and it was so similar to what I experienced in the past. And I got so mad at him. And I think I said a few things really sharp and then my kids came in the door so we couldn't talk about it. And my husband's really sensitive. He's very kind. He's very sweet. And the way that he deals with being hurt is he shuts down. He doesn't want to be touched. He doesn't really want to talk. He just, I mean, that's his way of dealing with it is he just gives space. So I just remember going to this family thing and him not talking to me and not like letting me hold his hand or do anything. And I was so mad at him because I was experiencing something very traumatic. I snapped at him. I thought I slightly explained it to him and I thought he should have just dropped it, but I didn't explain it to him. (laughs) And the reality is I left him with that hurt that I had. And I think sometimes we can do that and we can forget words and we can forget to explain ourselves and to kind of leave room for healing when we need to. Yeah. And I think what you shared is so key because sometimes we think, well, this person should know me by now, so they shouldn't know this, but we're not mind readers, right? Yeah. And even if they did know you that well, there's no guarantee that what you experienced fit that category. I mean, he had no idea. He had, he had absolutely no idea. And the reality of it is I hurt him and I was dealing with my own hurt and my own pain. 
but in that I hurt him and that's not fair. It wasn't okay. <laughs> and we had a long conversation about it and I apologized profusely and he told me it wasn't that big of a deal. But I think a lot of times it's easy to take our own pain and to let it out on other people and expect them to be okay with it. Oh, for sure. For sure. And even in how you're articulating your experience, one of the things that just keeps ringing in my mind is a level of self-awareness and a level of self-awareness of the other person as well. Because sometimes we remain stuck because we're unwilling to look through the lens of how does that actually impact the other person? And and so that self-awareness of, okay, not only do I have to deal with my circumstances, but being aware too that this is an innocent bystander. Yeah. And and so I commend you for that because I, I know sometimes the emotional and the trauma trigger could be so overwhelming that you don't get to the place of being able to see the other person. I mean, I I never want to lose sight of him and what he's feeling and what he's going through. And he's just such a kind, gentle, quiet person that I feel like he requires a lot more reading than the standard person does, which I kind of love. (laughs) I love that he doesn't scream his emotions. I love that he kind of holds on to it till he's ready to say what he says. I love everything about him. I think he's just the best thing in the world. But that need to read has definitely made me a lot more aware of myself and it makes me have to stay aware of him. And I think a really good, healthy way. Yeah. And and I think too, it helps your healing as well, because again, it's helping you not to stay so self-focused. And when you're in that self-focused state, it can just eat you alive and you don't never get the freedom that you need to move on to something else. I think one of the most helpful things that I ever learned was that emotions are your self-perception of an event. And knowing that it's your self-perception and that it's not a fact changed life for me. Yeah. As you say that, my mom will be so happy. She she does listen to the podcast. I tell her, listen, um, but her <laughs> statement all the time, but that's your perspective. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I think it's easy to get lost and well, this is how I see it. This is how I feel. This is me. This is this. When in reality, everyone's going through a different thing. Everyone's going through something at some point. And it's, it can be hard to focus on what other people are doing and what they're going through. Mm -hmm. But if you feel like your feelings are valid and emotional, then you should take time to see what they're feeling. Right. Give that the same validity. Right. And to be able to explore that, because when you don't explore it and you try to stuff it, it's going to come out in a different way. But if you take that time aside to work through it and process it and manage it, you can move forward. And sometimes you need more time to do it. And sometimes you got to do it multiple times, but that's okay. But going into that prepared, right? Like taking the time to prepare for that emotional time and to take that time to heal and being very mindful about it is also very important because it's easy to let your emotions run wild. And at the end of the day, those emotions aren't concrete. And when they run wild, you're just letting yourself drown. So it's okay to give yourself space to let them out, but it's not okay to let yourself drown. Well, I definitely appreciate all that you've shared and you've helped me out a lot today too. You give me great reminders of 
just even in my own healing journey and, and, and being prepared and making choices or making decisions to stay in that readiness state. And I, I think of a friend who gave this great advice yesterday when we were speaking about preparing through even your shortcomings so that when circumstances come up and you're about to be triggered, you have already provided a, a thought process or a navigation through it so that it doesn't sustain and, and keep you down this spiral of just crazy decisions after that emotional state, but praying beforehand for clarity and to be able to be objective and have the ability to process it in a healthy way. And I think I deal with that a lot. It's it's become a lot less. What I've learned is you'll go through things about three times being extremely emotionally triggered. And if you can find ways to get through those three times and to make it less toxic and less amplified every time, after the third time, it's not going to really be that big of a problem because you've already trained your mind to deal with it. And there's certain things in life that have become some of my greatest joys that would fill me with such anxiety starting off. And I would have to try to find ways to get through it. And I would have to struggle and getting through it those first three times was a nightmare. I mean, the first time was a nightmare. The second time was bearable. The third time was kind of enjoyable. And then you get to the fourth and it's a joy. And not everything has to be, nothing has to be formed by your trauma. I mean, you can be a survivor of abuse and not be a victim your whole life. And for me, that was my biggest goal coming out of that relationship was to be a survivor and not a victim. And keeping that in the forefront of my mind, I think helped my healing journey. Sure. And those are very wise words that you just shared. And it's definitely making it to our tools and tips, you Yeah. And it's kind of neat in speaking with you too, because you've been able to articulate yourself and your experiences in such a way that connects and, and makes sense. Like, oh, I, I didn't realize that's what's, what's been going on with me, but you have such a good way of expressing yourself to connect those dots. So I, I definitely appreciate that. I was blessed with a fantastic prayer before we started. <laughs> honestly, as I've articulated a lot of these things, I thought, oh my goodness, that's what went on. <laughs> Amen, sister. Amen. And so as we wrap up this wonderful second interview, are there any lasting thoughts that you want to share with our community and even uh, share about your graphic design and if you're for hire and, and all those good things and how people can learn more about you? I am for hire. Um, <laughs> I, I'm looking for any kind of work. I do logos. I do any print material, t-shirt design. Just a lot of different things, business cards, brochures, manuals. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I believe it's LinkedIn slash Bishop Massey. It's been wonderful talking to you. It's been wonderful kind of realizing all of those connective waves of God being in there and all those times. Well, I appreciate you. And I would like to echo that she's a great graphic designer and she's um, well referenced by myself because she's done a wonderful job of redoing our J and tail logo and some other projects for us. And so you get an opportunity to see her work just even from visiting our website. 
So Bishop, thank you again for your time today and the things that you shared and and being vulnerable and and humble and, and giving us the opportunity to learn more about you. And you guys, for those who are still in abusive or difficult relationships, uh, one resource that is national is actually the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And they have individuals on staff that will talk to you on their website, which is thehotline.org. They also have information for local resources where you can go to get more support. They can definitely guide and, and provide a listening ear and and just resources so that this is not your final state. Come back for our twos and tips show that's coming out next week. It's going to take some time for me to put it all together because there's so much information, but you know how we do. We figure it out. And until then, thank you guys for joining us and we will see you next week. Have a good one.